Ladies and gentlemen, how do you are listening to the Synapse Films Podcast, a journey into the world of Synapse Films. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Susie Banyan decided to perfect her ballet studies in the most famous school of dance in Europe. The killer is coming. The killer's gonna get you. I'm just crazy about this store. I've been expecting you. You thought Iron Me was a heavy metal band. <laughs> Don't drink my flavor. Welcome to the Synapse Films Podcast. I am Timo Sabin. Some folks in the horror community know me as Timo. I will be your host on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Greetings, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. I hope everyone had a safe and happy holiday season and new year, and hope all is well. In this episode, we will, as always, speak with Synapse co-owner Jerry Chandler about news and notes and things coming up and have a little conversation about the partnership with Aero Video in some titles coming up, so stay tuned for that. We talk with Noah Chandler. Jerry's lovely and talented daughter who has been working for Synapse for a few years now and is going to be spearheading a new merchandising page on the website. So we have a chat with Noah about that and you can expect to hear Noah on the show occasionally updating us about new merchandise that you will find on the Synapse Films website. And last but certainly not least... Our special guest this episode is Cameron Scott from the Cinema Degeneration Podcast. Cameron and I go podcaster to podcaster, toe to toe, and have a nice discussion on the new release of Demons and Demons 2. We have a lot to discuss this episode, so let's get started as we do every episode by checking in with Synapse Films co-owner, Mr. Jerry Chandler. Hey, Jerry. Hey, man. So, Jerry, uh, things have been heating up around around Synapse. Uh, we have Noah on the show coming up here. Uh, your daughter, Noah. Now, she she's an integral part of that office. I know that. And does basically, as you've told me, does everything in that office and has done everything that you've done except for actually brokering a deal or a, or a license. And, uh, and so one of the big things is you have a new merchandise uh, page that Noah's working on. Talk a little bit about the the new designs that you guys have coming out. You know, if if people can remember the original Synapse T-shirt, you know, our artist uh, that designed that one, Wes Benscotter, you know, really knocked it out of the park. And so we bought a bunch of T-shirts and we sold them. And we, you know, we really didn't think about it very much. And then a few years later, we had Steve Bama do a Synapse shirt with a glow in the dark. You know, West did an Impulse shirt. It was just something to do to get the word out on the labels, but it was never really serious. Then a very good friend of mine who lives in the St. Louis area, 
guy by the name of Tim O'Sabin <laughs> recommended uh, one of his local guys to maybe design us some new shirts. And of course, uh, the guy did. And, you know, we, we really love the new Sim- Synapse and the new Impulse uh, designs. So I was thinking, man, these shirts are great. And then everybody I showed them to, you know, the designs, the files, said, wow, these shirts are great. So I thought, why don't we do a new shirt for each label every year? And we'll make, you know, however many. And if they sell, they sell. If they don't, they don't. And if we need more, we could always have a few more done. But we'll do a new design every year because these designs are great. And, you know, people kind of like that idea. And I think it's, you know, Synapse, the whole Synapse thing is like a big family, including the fans. So it's really, you know, for them, for everybody to 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 kind of feel like a, a part of it. Plus, the designs are great, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the guys over at Encapsulated Studios over there at, in, in St. Louis, they're the real good guys, and they're fans of the kind of work that you guys do as, as well, too. I think that's a great idea, Jerry, because really there's a, just a few companies doing what you guys do, and you guys have fans. I mean, the movies have fans, but you guys, and it's becoming like that a little I like that. I enjoy that. It's becoming like that a little bit more, uh, where Synapse is a brand. Exactly. That's our feeling, too. And it's like, uh, and like we want everybody who works for us to be part of it, feel like part of it. We want those fans to feel like part of us, too. And, and what better way? But by giving them something really cool to wear around. So, you know, so that... I, you know, it, it's it's very difficult finding uh, people to actually produce the shirts. Your guys got us the designs, and they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go looking for a shirt, somebody who could actually do it. And, of course, I'm an old friend of Ben Scrivens at Fright Rags, and mm-hmm. he came through for us. Uh, and not only do we have the uh, Synapse and Impulse shirts, but we also, for the first time, have a whole section of, of lady shirts and that's been requested a lot. A lot of women want to, you know, they don't really want to wear a man, man shirt because it, it doesn't. It's not flattering on them. Yes, exactly. So we decided to make uh, some women's shirts. And then we also have, in just a few, but in all different sizes, we have hoodies for Synapse and Impulse. And it's funny because my daughter's a professional photographer. So when I asked Noah to take the pictures for the website, she brought in professional models. Mm -hmm. So it's funny. One of the models said, Hey, do you mind if I, if I keep this, uh, impulse hoodie (laughs) she goes i really like it and then we had another we had a a super fan chicago area super fan uh by the name of richie sack and he called me up and he goes hey i want to buy some stuff for myself for christmas i want to get the the massacre and the uh kindred steel books he goes what else do you have i said well we just got in these t-shirts he goes, oh, my God, I have to have, give me a 2X for me and an XL for my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And same thing in the, the impulse. So we said, sure. And we sent them out to him. He put them up on his uh, Facebook page. He goes, hey, look at the new shirts I got from Synapse or whatever. 
So funny thing is, is he took a screen cap and sent it to me. Everybody underneath him goes, oh, my God, where do I get those? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's but, you know, the website, we're so busy right now. You know, Noah has the pictures done, but she doesn't have them up on the website. And then we got to figure out how to add them to the shopping cart and to do a counter so we don't sell more than we actually have at any given time. For anyone who's listening, if you, you know, if you want them or want to talk about them, you could call me at 734-494-3502. And I'll tell you all about them. We, we still have about five or six of in each size of the Synapse hoodies and the Impulse hoodies. And we have more than that in the t-shirts, clearly. But we don't have, every, you know, a lot of some of the sizes. So, you know, we got small, medium, large, extra large. Two XLs, three XLs, and five XLs. So basically, the more the more you sell, too, the more you're going to make. Sure, we'd like to do this so everybody gets a T-shirt every year, just because they're so cool. And we're not going to upcharge people the, you know, whatever. This is more just so people could have them. Mm-hmm. They're really cool, and they'll they won't be available after the year. You know, I think that's kind of neat too because it makes them it makes them collectible. Kind of, yeah. And and by nature, by nature, your fans are collectors. Right. Well, we want to do a T-shirt that somebody can fold up and stick in a frame. It'd be that, that cool. So what we're going to do for next year, we've already told a number of people, we're going to kind of, in a sense, put it out on bid. We're going to have a bunch of different artists design different designs for Impulse and Synapse. And, you know, we're going to pay them for their work. And we're going to select the the designs we like the best, mm. and and that's it. And mm. then we'll do it again the year after. Probably, you know, assuming that people are actually interested, you know. And if they're not, they're forgiven. You know, we're just trying to figure out something cool to do. So, so. speaking of speaking of merchandise, uh, we're going to have uh, my friend Cameron Scott from the Cinema Degeneration podcast on a little bit later, talking about his. Two of his favorite films you've just released, re-released, I should say, Demons and Demons 2. Uh, he's oh. still excited that he has has those uh, discs and, and absolutely loves them and wanted to come on and talk about us. So we're going to have him on there. So I assume those are still doing well? Yep, yep. Everything's still doing well. Everything across the board is is, is doing well. It's, it's, you know, moving to our new distributor has been a, uh, it's a rather startling difference you know from our old distributor and uh like i said you know i asked a lot of questions and people said well they're you know they're pretty good and even the owner of the new distributor said to us yeah we're on our honeymoon moon period that's why you like us so much <laughs> i sent him three months ago i sent him a thing saying hey we've been with you for a year when does the honeymoon end <laughs> you know because this is, i mean you know, we were with a lot of different distributors, and we had nothing but problems yeah, and and, yeah. and pushback on things. And so we ended up going to the West Coast when our our friend left Anchor Bay and became a, a distribution guy out there. I mean, they're fine people; they're sure. really nice people. But eventually, we left. Mm-hmm. And but it, this new distributor has been amazing. Well, you know, so, yeah, some pe- some you have good people and good hardworking people, but sometimes there's just a better fit with what you do and with what other people do. And and 
coming from a music perspective as, as a musician, it's all distribution, man. <laughs> I mean, right. that's, that's a, cause I mean, just think about it on a real simple level. It's distributing your product. That's why you're in business to get it to people to see so that they want to purchase it and then to be able right. to purchase it, to be there to purchase. So that's what's more important next to what you and Don do, you know, in that, uh, well, besides the fans that buy it, <laughs> That's but, pretty you know, important. we Don and I have never been these hardcore businessmen. We're, we started as we met each other as fans. We started Synapse as fans, and we remain fans to this very day. And to us, you know, that can be a weakness because we're tremendously loyal to people we like, and we really like the old distributor. And that kept us with him for nine years. Mm. I mean, you try and do the right thing, you know, and and. Uh, you did do the right thing, and then you moved on. Yeah, there you I go. guess. <laughs> there you go. So now I believe this week is is that this week the official the official release street street release uh, as we're speaking right now of the Kindred. Now that has to be just flying out of the off the shelves at this point, right? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of the fans are still think we operate like the old Synapse, which is we sign something, we announce it, five years later we delay it, two years after that we start from scratch and redo it, you know, and ten years later it comes out. Well, we got away from that. I mean, there was so much hatred aimed and vitriol aimed at us over Suspiria, the time it took to produce. Of course, now that the baby's been born, nobody remembers the labor <laughs> pains and everybody, you know, they want to carry us around on, on chairs, you know, like uh, we're the kings. But we remember it was very tough to take, you know, especially when we consider ourselves fans for the fans, by the you know, to be attacked by our... <laughs> Our, our public and to be honest it was just a few people and mm -hmm. also further honest it was probably people who weren't weren't synapse fans in the first place but you know lesson learned kind of thing nobody likes to see negative stuff about them written oh, and, right, and, right. and and our rule is you can't respond anyways because there's people waiting for you to respond to shove every word down your throat, misinterpret it, and make a fool out of you. So you're better off not responding at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the new synapse is we kind of keep things to ourselves until they're actually ready to come out. Uh, that's a great and idea. The, that's, that's the way to yeah, do it. it it's, it it's, it's nice for the fans because then the fans don't agonize over the weight and you're already agonizing over getting things done to begin with. And that added pressure doesn't help you or them. No. So, you know, uh, so we announce that the kindred steel book is up. We put it up on our website for pre-order and, Diabolic put it on theirs and stuff like that. And we got orders, uh, you know, so I think people were thinking that this is, uh, you know, uh, maybe not quite sincere. Uh, you know, uh, the kindred's been delayed for so many years. It's this hard to believe probably, almost in a yeah, way. So, yeah. But we thought it would sell out in the first day or two and it didn't. Mm, mm -hmm. So after a few days, they're finished. And we told CAV, who does our fulfillment for us, start shipping them out. Well, once people started getting them, 
we got a million orders. Yesterday, Noah pulled 150 orders, brand new orders for it off the website. So we are scrambling now to see how many are left because uh -huh. Diabolic just placed another big order. And, you know, what I, I mean, they might be getting extremely low. Anyways, listen, if anyone's listening and you're inclined at all to get that Kindred Steelbook, order now because they are almost gone. I hope you guys heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, everybody's been waiting forever. And that's not real surprising, though, Jerry. I'm sure, you know, once people saw people posting them on social media and stuff, like, like saying, oh, this is great, and they had them in their hands, people are like, oh, my God, you know. And also, um, I'm a guy who goes on Amazon a lot, and this one isn't up on Amazon yet or anything. So I think also some people might be might not have realized that you had released it yet. And I think when they started seeing the, the posts from people on social media, they probably rushed over to your site and started yeah, buying it. That, yeah, word of mouth. That's the only place you can get it. You can only get it from us or from Diabolic if you're out of the country. Yeah, they're, they're, Diabolic is almost like a, a, a reference site for me, too. I go there to see what's coming out. <laughs> right, exactly. That's that's good. That's got to be cathartic for you guys to get kindred out. Now, you got a couple of you, you announced a couple of new Blu-rays, which we kind of teasingly announced on the last show, too. One of them you have coming out is Thriller, A Cruel Picture, uh -huh. uh, which you guys released on DVD, but this will be the first Blu-ray release, correct? Right. Uh -huh. Okay. And then you're releasing a 4K Phenomena, the Argento yes. film, right? Now, I have a question for you. Uh, I did see that uh, I can't remember the exact wording but that it was being released in conjunction with Arrow. Could you explain that? Yes, we have, uh, we've known the people at Arrow for a long time. And uh, last year, one of the people said, hey, you want to start working with us? We said, sure, why not? And so we are doing, these are kind of like uh, joint venture, joint releases. You know, they benefit because... Don gives them an extra layer of QC. We split the production costs with them. Mm -hmm. We can't sell the titles in Europe. They can't sell them in the U.S. So we're not really competing with each other. So it was a natural kind of uh, joining. Now, we're only doing it on specific projects. We worked together on the Demons and Demons 2 projects. We worked together on Phenomena. And we are going to be working with them on, on future pro projects. Everything's gone very well, and it's a nice relationship. And, you know, it allows us to help them a little bit. And uh, for us, you know, it helps us because it we are a two-man show, and Don does all this type of work. So if Don has to start on a project from scratch, it takes years. But if he could get something where a lot of the preliminary work's already done, and then he QCs it, his QCing is is really the genius behind Synapse. Mm -hmm. He sees things that no one else sees, and he fixes them. That's why everything works, looks, and sounds so amazing. Um, it can't really be replicated. So you know, they, it was uh, genius for them to, you know, if you can't re replicate a Don, why not get a Don right, right. for yourself? Right. So it's a good thing for them. And for us, again, it's just cutting years of time off our slow pace, so to speak. So for the fans, the more proje projects we work with, with Arrow, the 
the better the fans have it. The people over there are are really nice too. You know, the people we talk to uh, are just really sweet guys. You know, I, I could imagine them working in my company because I, I try and only keep really nice, pleasant, happy kind of people because, you know, we deal with fans and fans don't want morose, you know, right, right. nasty, uh, you know, and, and why you set that image for your company. You know, we love the fans because we were fans and are fans. So, so we want people who share that same kind of thing and and they seem to be that way too they're very friendly to work with and clearly i keep repeating that because we have a lot of competitors that are not nice people they're not friendly to work with but we like these arrow guys there they've we've worked very well so far together and hopefully we'll work in on a lot more projects not just a few more yeah I think it's exciting yeah it, it's really exciting and like i said it's good news for the fans because yeah. uh, you know we're literally combining and these, these new releases are going to be amazing. Uh, you know, arrow packaging, synapse, QCing, you know, and all the people in between that do work for both companies, you know, it, it's just really cool. Yeah. And I'm, I got my fingers crossed that, that, that it grows into something even bigger. I would love to see it. I, yeah, me too, because I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm an arrow fan too. Yeah. Uh, if people listen to this to this podcast around this around about the time as we say in the Midwest, around about the time where our where we we release it, it's going to be right around New Year, and it's been quite a challenging set of a couple of years here for obvious reasons for everyone. But just thought maybe you could uh, reflect a little bit on the year that Synapse has had in twenty twenty one and. How you're feeling about 2022? Well, like I said, this year was a good year. Uh, we were with our new distributor, and it's made a huge difference for us. So that's pretty nice. Um, looking forward, just like more of the same. I mean, you know, by this point, I think people are aware that we're working on the original Tombs of the Blind Dead, and we're working on a the convent, you know, and then we got something kind of special. We don't do much indie anymore because so few people buy it. You know, we're going to lose money every time, but we are doing a small set uh, of movies uh, from a guy in the Midwest. He's just a Midwestern. I don't know if he's a farmer or what he is. But he's a filmmaker, and he's really, really good. These movies have zero budget. There is just no money at all. I don't think he spent any money at all. But these films are really well written, and they stick in your head. And the people who act in them, you kind of get the feeling that you're watching. <laughs> these aren't movies. Somebody's filming a real people. Uh-huh. And it's, it's really, really unusual. So what I did was he sent me a hard drive with all six films on it. So we're putting out a DVD set because it's, it's not high def, uh -huh. you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's standard def uh, movies. Sure. And we're putting out a DVD and I picked two of the six films and we're going to put on some extras and we're going to put it out. And if people are, like it, and it sells, we'll do two more sets with his other four movies. But I'm kind of excited about it because, you know me, I'm all about the indies. I love 
films from people who are at a disadvantage because they don't have the studios behind them and the money behind them. So when people like that can come up with something that really captures my interest, I always get very excited. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, look for Blake Eckerd's uh, movies to come out. Uh, we're already signed up for Cinema Wasteland. We're doing we're doing another Cincinnati Horror Hound. We're doing we're signed up for uh, flashback already for next summer. The Astronomicon is coming back to Detroit finally, and they got a new venue and a good place. So we're talking to them right now. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, a very busy uh, summer coming up. You know, like I said, as long as they'll allow us to do shows, we'll start traveling again, like we did at the end of last year. We everybody had fun, mm-hmm. so. We're all looking forward to do that, doing that again. And uh, like I said, just stick with us. We'll have more news as things progress. What better thing could have happened in 2021 to Synapse Jerry than a brand new podcast? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I mean, this was great. This was this was really great. We're all having a lot of fun doing it. So yeah. I hope people are enjoying it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying doing it, and I hope people are enjoying it too. So uh, thanks, Jerry, and we're going to talk to you next time. Uh, I believe next show we're going to be talking about Frankenhooker. So that ought to be some fun. Awesome. Little fun conversations cool. and stuff. So, But until then, Jerry, thank you so much once again, as you do every episode, for talking to me and the fans and friends of Synapse. My pleasure. Talk to you soon, Tim. As always, thank you, Jerry. Very exciting news about the Arrow collaboration. That is very interesting and very exciting. And because one Chandler a day does not make the day complete, let us now check in with Noah Chandler. Hi, Noah. Hi. So in the interest of full disclosure, Noah is Noah Chandler, Jerry Chandler's daughter. And so, Noah, you have been working for Synapse now for how long? For about three years consistently. And and since you were a little girl, you wanted to work for your dad, right? Yeah, yeah. The... Um synapse films they opened the company like later late in 96 and Uh i was born in april so it's just as old as you yeah it's my company (laughs) my company company. um my whole life he would go to shows and bring us back like tchotchkes and stuff and made it this like dad's going to work you know out of town you know you can't go with him but it's like i was always curious of where he was going and always wanted to go to you know because he always talked about these people he met and everyone's really nice and they all like are supporting his company, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was old enough to go, my mom let us go and whatever. My sister wasn't really into it, Mm -hmm. but I always really loved the shows. And I always made these little like tchotchke paintings and my dad like humored the idea of letting me quote unquote, sell them at these shows. Uh Um, which I appreciated because it felt like I was part of the team, you know? And even if I was just like the little girl sitting behind the table from 96 to now, you know, (laughs) I always got to be there. So, you know, in my adult life, going to shows was more fun. But um, I've been more, you know, working inside the office more. So now I'm more like part of the company where before it was just like a sort of like what you were saying, like it's a dream 
to be part of Synapse. So. Well, and Jerry told me, too, that basically in the office, you do everything he does. The only thing you haven't basically done is brokered an actual deal to put a movie out. But besides that, you're his assistant, I would say? Yeah, I'm like the office manager. (laughs) The mail orders and picking up the phones and refilling the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you do a hell of a lot more than do that. I know that. I know that for sure. Did you go to to Savannah, to to school down in, in Savannah? Yeah, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia for photography. Did you know that that's where my brother went? Really? Yes, my brother went to school there. My brother went to school there in the, I guess it'd be the late 80s. For what? He is a graphic art and design. He owns. Oh, that's awesome. He owns two marketing companies in St. Louis right now. And he didn't. Yes, he went down there. Now, he was down there for like a year or two. He ended up graduating from SIU, Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. And he used to talk about how how unique Savannah, Georgia is. And he really thought it was cool down there. Um, How was your experience going to school down there? Um, it was really good. It's a it's a very artsy town, um, real spooky. It's one of the most haunted towns in America. Um, so in that aspect, I feel like I blended in. Right. <laughs> um, in my senior year, they actually like Savannah's um, like theater played when Suspiria came out. They played you know Synapse's version of Suspiria, and I went. Oh really? And they're like, "Oh, Don's daughter is here," and I'm like, "Jerry's but close." <laughs> no, I'm like sitting, <laughs> right. sitting in the back, but there ever there a bunch of people like clapped, and they were all really excited, and it was cool. It was cool to see it in theater, you know, like small world. Like I work with that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that, of course, we just talked about. You work in the office. You do just about everything that your dad does. But lately, or recently, I've been made aware that you have been, so I say, put in charge of a brand new arm, like a merchandising part of Synapse, where you are going to have much more merchandising than, or merchandise than what you've had before, correct? Yeah. We are putting out our 2022 shirts for the Impulse line and the Synapse line. Mm Um, and after, you know, I get them up on the website, which is still a work in progress. So if you've seen them and you want to order them, call the office. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, after we see how it goes a little, I'm going to try and introduce other merch, possibly hats, possibly pants, possibly stickers. We'll see. What do you have right now? So there's t-shirts. Is there, are you guys doing hoodies or that? and hoodies. So women's t-shirts, men's t-shirts and hoodies, zip hoodies for both lines. Now the shirts and the merchandise that you're going to be putting up on the website, this is, these are brand new designs, right? Yes. Um, we'll have what's left over of the shirts from the past because there is um, a, quite a few left that we're just trying to you know, get rid of so mm-hmm. I can bring in new stuff. Mm-hmm. But the 2022 merch will be up on the new merch page as soon as possible. The goal is that we'll have a new design for each label every year. You're currently right now working on a new page for the website. Do you have like any ETA as far as like uh, when people can maybe go and see the new designs on the, on the site? Um, I'm hoping by the start of 2022. That's okay. my goal. Okay. So, so like two weeks. That's my goal. So by the time this is available for people to listen to, 
uh, you should be able to go to the website and check. If not, very soon, and we will keep everybody posted here on the show as well. And we're going to have you back on, Noah, talking about news and things going on, especially with the merchandise, so you can keep people informed as to what is out there. Yes. Well, thank you, Noah. We're going to have you back on, and good luck with all the merchandise and getting done with the... You know, I know how hard that is to put together. It seems so easy to put together... Like a web page, I play music, and the average person goes, "Oh, that must be fun." <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work too. You ever carried an amp? It seems like it's nothing, but that's a lot of agonizing stress and work to put together something in a in a way that's really going to pop and sell to people. You know, so I, yeah. I know it's a lot of work. So, uh, so good luck with that, and uh, I'm sure you're going to do great, though. I'm sure it'll be fine. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've, I have, I have seen some of the new design stuff, and it, it is very cool. I'm excited. Yeah, I want one of those zip up hoodies too. I got my, I got my eyes on that. So, all right, yeah. Noah. Well, good luck with everything. Thanks for talking to us, and we'll talk to you here real soon. Of course. Once again, thank you so much, Noah Chandler, for talking to us about the merchandise that's upcoming from Synapse Films. Very excited about that. I think I might have a hoodie already pre-ordered. And now let's welcome in from the podcast Cinema Degeneration, Mr. Cameron Scott. like to welcome to the show writer, actor, filmmaker, fellow podcaster, Cameron Scott. Hello, Cameron. Hey, Timo. How the hell are you? I'm doing great. Lately, it seems that you have been working more as an actor in the film industry, at least from what I can see from your socials. So have you been doing some acting gigs as of late? Yeah, the last couple of years, I've, uh, apparently I've made an impression on a couple of people. Uh, and uh, by through success of a couple of good auditions, I've been doing a lot more acting. Uh, directing is just a lot more, a lot more stressful mm-hmm. than I like like to to do. And with my heart conditions and whatnot, you know, I have you know everybody knows about my recent heart surgeries and whatnot. I'm trying to go very low key and very low stress. Gotcha. So w- when you have to show up and you just have to read from the script and do your part, it's a lot more fun. I'm more of a writer. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I love to tell a story, and you know, writers are the, the the storytellers. You know, for about the last two years, I've been podcasting uh, through my own network that I started called Cinema Degeneration. We got about eight different shows that we do. We do ones on Grindhouse movies. So we got one that's uh, specifically just a uh, sequel oriented. We got one for specifically like movies we're going to be talking about today. Uh, you know, uh, foreign horror films. So. Demons and Demons 2, why is Cameron Scott here? Because in the interest of full disclosure, I am a guest every now and then on Cameron's various podcasts as well. And Cameron's podcast is more, as he calls it, a deep dive. I mean, we will get Mm -hmm. into just about every nook and cranny of a movie you can imagine. Um, But as far as Demons and Demons 2... The reason Cameron's here is because knowing Cameron, I have heard over the years that these are some of his favorite, favorite films. And he loves, loves these movies. So I thought, well, let's get Cameron on here to talk about Demons and Demons 2 and about the Synapse releases of those. Now, you love these movies. 
Oh, yeah, always have. When did you first become aware of these films, Demons and Demons 2? Uh, well, I, I was a latchkey kid, you know, growing up in the 80s. So my mother would rent me pretty much whatever I wanted. I had a very cool mother that was very uh, open-minded when it came to horror and and physical media and stuff. She always says it's a, it's input. Put as much into your brain as you can, whether it be movies, music, or books. And she rented Demons 1 and 2 for me back in the day when they originally came out, like 85, 86. And I saw them as a 10-year-old kid. Wait, your mom and, running them for... So did she go to the store and see them, rent them, and bring them home for you to watch? Most of the time it was... It, it, yes. Was, was she like a fan the time too? The other, oh, yeah. She was a fan too. Huh. She was a big, big horror fan. Oh, and wow. Okay. She, encouraged my love of horror you know i i remember seeing uh demons one and two and being just taken aback by the over-the-top gore and the the soundtracks especially uh-huh. i became a big fan of goblin and simon eddie and simon boswell for this you know, for the first one and second one respectively but you know the the overall like punk slash heavy metal soundtracks that they had was was also big big for me back in that day and shaping my little mind into what I liked musically. Right. So how old were you again? I was probably 10 years old the first time I seen them, maybe 11. That's interesting because my mom, she, was a, she secretly really liked horror films. Like I would be out somewhere with my dad or something before, maybe like before I was 10 or something, and I would come home and we had the ancient cable television where it was like eight channels and a little box with a switch on it for HBO, you know, the, right. like a filter for it. I'd come home and she'd be watching like the, like the first Friday the 13th on HBO and she'd be all, oh, she'd be getting into it and stuff, you know, but, but she never wanted me to see it. She was one of those close your eyes moms. Of course I had to close my eyes when there was like boobs or something. Yeah, if someone uh, got same, a knife same. up the gullet, it was fine, <laughs> you know? So, but, um, my mom did let me get uh, Fangoria magazines most of the time. Uh, I think they would have like the gore zone or like the bloody bust or something. I wasn't allowed to get the real extreme special edition Fangorias that they put out, but a normal issue Fangoria for the most part, if I begged enough, they allowed me to get that. So I heard about a lot of these films from that magazine, uh, never ever getting to see them in any theater or anything anywhere. Cause they're almost impossible to find. But Argento's name kept coming up in Fangoria, and his name was attached to these films as well. I, like a lot of people, thought these movies were more Argento than they are. And I, to be honest with you, I still can't really get a clear read on how, how much Dario influenced the final films. What's your read on that? Because to me, it's very interesting. It's a very common thing where people say, hey, this is a Dario Argento movie. I'm watching Argento's Demons. And I've corrected people saying, well, actually, it's a Lamberto Bava movie. And people are a little surprised. And these are astute horror film fans that are, are a little surprised. They never really paid attention that it's, it is Lamberto Bava. Both, both films are. Do you have any read on that yourself? Well, I think my read on that is... As with any producer, if they're putting their money up and they're in charge of it, they're going to be a little overbearing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from Dario's own perspective, I can understand it that he would want to have, have his film done a certain way. I think he probably laid out, you know, is what they call it, a film Bible. And it's like, here's what I want you to follow. As long as you follow these, you know, 
bullet points, so to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he probably let Bob do what he wanted to do. There seemed to be a mutual respect there of like, listen, I know you're highly capable, you know, of, of, of pulling this off. As long as you make, you know, A, B, and C, I'm good with it. I think probably he was probably a little more overbearing <laughs> as a producer on the first movie than he was the second movie because they already had a hit on their hands. You know, there was a pretty big hit for them back in the day in 85. And I think uh, with the second movie, probably Lamberto was able to probably have a little bit more free reign and able to breathe a little bit more. Again, it was always sort of a muddled thing to me how much of this was, was Baba, how much was Argeno. I, I got to be honest, it doesn't matter a whole lot in the end because these are really, they're fun movies. You know, they're oh, yeah. kind of straightforward monster movies. And especially with the Italian movies, sometimes they get a little in over their head with uh, confusing like plots and, <laughs> and things. And these are not really like that. Those Those interweaving plot lines that sometimes don't, makes sense they're a little more nightmarish than they are reality driven. yeah it's almost like it's almost like the giallo movies influenced the monster and supernatural films sometimes to the point where you're like the hell is going on you're like i always used to spear you. i was joking on the last episode that i didn't even know what the i didn't even know it was a witch movie the first time i saw it i'm like what the hell's going on here this movie's <laughs> attacking me i almost sued it for assault I mean, yes. you know, I had no idea what was going on. So the assault on the senses. Isn't right, it? exactly. That's a, and that's exactly how we put it on that episode. And, you know, but these movies are more straightforward monster movies. I like, I like how both movies, they're very similar to each other. They just take place in different environments, in a different type of building, basically. But the same thing is happening. And it, it even gets confusing to the point that, I mean, they even recast Bobby Rhodes in yes. both. They cast them in both films. <laughs> I think it's pretty much like you know where a lot of those films back in the day, like even Sergio Leone films, the wet spaghetti westerns, they would cast the same actors. You know, kill them off in the first movie, but they would return in the second and third movie as other characters. I think I think they just you know they had a team. You know, it, it was very obvious that they had you know. A, a very specific group of individuals, you know, writers, producers, directors, the actors, and would just get into a groove and like working with them so much. They're like, listen, here's what worked. These guys work. Let's use them again. They're just kind of extensions of each other. You know, uh, Bobby Rose is Hank in part two and Tony the Pimp in part one. They're just echoes of the same character, you know, just uh, kicking ass and taking names. And that's, you know, that's what Bobby Rhodes does. <laughs> Love Bobby Rhodes. Right, right. <laughs> well, and you know, it, it kind of is a signpost saying, don't even ask. Uh, and, right, and these right. movies, like I've always said, especially the Italian horror films, you, it, they're, they're roller coaster rides. You strap in, you go with them. If you ask too many questions, you'll get tossed off the ride. Exactly. You'll you'll muddle yourself in things that aren't the main focus of why they're making these films. You're watching the movie and it's, okay, there's demons taking over and I guess they're possessing through the screen. And then in like a Young Ones or Monty Python type of moment, a helicopter falls through the <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> right. <laughs> like where, where the fuck did that come from? Exactly. Don't, 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 don't ask. It's better you don't ask. Right. <laughs> and so you have to watch it a couple of times and start picking up on the fact like, that's the moment when you realize, oh, shit's coming apart outside too. And yes. it, it is a, a David Lynch moment where it gives you the answer before it asks the question. 
And that throws, that'll that'll throw you narrative wise, you know, kind of completely off. But the simplicity of just being a monster movie and the effects, I mean, the monsters themselves, the demons, I don't know if there's been more frightening creatures on, on screen. Oh, there, ha- there hasn't, in my opinion. These these creatures are everything that I I would fear in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, they're just, they, they give no shits. There's no romance with them, like with a vampire. There's no elegance to them or anything. They're just brutal, just carnal, <laughs> and just like, th- just the idea, you know, of just becoming one of these things is even more horrifying than becoming a zombie, and I'm a big zombie file. But I kind of describe these movies as you say, you know, describing that they, they are pieces of art, but I've, I've heard them described in a certain way. And this is the way I like to describe them. You know, other movies say like uh, Tenebrae or Suspiria is what we consider fine dining. These are more pizza like, but everybody <laughs> right. loves pizza. Sure. You know, sure. it's like more pizza horror, you know, it's more more like a thrill and shock ride, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the, the, some of the, the other, you know, Giallo films and whatnot. What do you like about each of them? What do you don't? Compare and contrast them in your opinion. Well, you know, it's hard to pick favorites, but I do appreciate and like the first movie a little bit better. I have an affinity for the subgenre of movies taking place in a movie theater, you know, and the whole film within a film. And there's still that, that kind of notion in the second movie when the, you know, they're watching the broadcast on television where the first movie was more about the evil – confined to this this movie theater you know and everybody it's it, you know it's about claustrophobia to me and be, and being held up in this theater well it, whereas the second movie you know is being held up in that tower you know that apartment tower and everybody's watching this broadcast on television and but i mean i love everything about the first movie it's it's what got me into italian horror in the first place and the, de- the demons were just a little bit more mysterious then because it wasn't, you know, after the first movie, you've done seen it, you know, and as much as I love the, the right. love the sequel, it's not, I don't want to say it's old hat at that point, but it's just kind of like, you know, you're just kind of, it's just like getting served a pizza for the first time. I'm re- re- relegating everything back to pizzas, but you know, <laughs> it's like, hungry. You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first time you get handed a big slice of New York or Chicago style pepperoni pizza. Right. It's the best pizza you ever had. The second time, it's still the best pizza you ever had, but you've already had it. Right, right. right. Um, but like, er, er, you know, I think that's the only thing that separates part one and part two. Uh, I like part one just just a smidgen more. You know, I'm, I'm, I also think the effects are just also a little bit better in the first movie. Is it's like they were taking chances and kind of flying by the seat of their pants. And again, by the time they'd made the second movie. It had become kind of a tip of the hat or old hat and like, okay, here's the tricks we've already tried. We'll just do it again, you know, and not saying that that makes the second movie suffer, but it just makes it just that one notch lower than the other. And to be honest, I love the soundtrack uh, for the first movie. I am a huge Goblin and Simonetti fan. That is by no means am I trying to knock Simon Boswell's soundtrack because he's a master in his own right. Between this, between you know, Demons Two, uh, Dust Devil, and Hardware, and you know, got probably two hundred others that he's done. He's a great musician, but I'm a really big fan of Simon Eddie, and that si- that soundtrack for Part One is just mwah, 
it's a chef's kiss. I'm always relegating things back to food, but in my past, <laughs> my past life, I was a chef for 20 some odd years, so I can't help it. <laughs> right, right. And I also think that something that separates the first movie from the second movie, and maybe this is just something of me always, you know, deep diving into stuff, mm-hmm. and maybe seeing something that's not there, is uh, Nicoletta, uh, I forgot her last name, but the, the one that plays the usherette, mm-hmm. uh, Ingrid, mm-hmm. in, the, in the first movie. With, with her character, she's there in the theater. They're operating the theater, and they're showing the, the film and whatnot. And then they get trapped, and those brick walls are, you know, surround everything like somebody walled them in. Mm-hmm. It almost seemed like there was a conspiracy right. from, uh, you know, from a standpoint of, of, you know, him handing out the tickets, the usherette being there, you know, the, them confining them and getting them into the theater. You know, and there seemed to be like a conspiracy. Was there an evil sect that, you know, that was there that was like working things behind the scenes? Or was it just the evil of the demons themselves? You know, you never quite know. So there's a mystery there. In the second movie, it's more it's more broadened. Where it's just like, no, th- these were just demons. You know, there was no at least there's no conspiracy to think of it. Uh, so basically the conspiracy the for and, and the way I read this is kind of the same way, too. So. It all generated in that theater, yet as the demons uh, blossomed and started expanding, the apartment building was one of the places they hit, and then that's what they're attacking. So you're showing another building that's being attacked by the same scourge, basically, that started. So, And you are right. There is a little bit more of a linear explanation everything, whereas in the second one, it really has, like you said, just much more to do with it just happens. Yes. I have a hard time knowing which one of these films I like better. I think there's some more standout moments in the second one. I'd, I'd agree with that. Whereas the first one as a whole is probably more of an artistic success story than the second one. In the first one, this is just there's more moments of them, more exposition. You know, there's more of them trying to figure out you know, what's happening and trying to figure out, you know, what's the cause of it and how to stop it. In the second movie, it's just all about straight up survival. There's no trying to figure anything out because you don't have time to figure anything out. Is it because it started you down a path of watching a whole new world of films? Is that why you have such an affinity for these? I think that's part of it. That's half of it. But like you said, these are just two genuinely fun films. And I love the pacing of them. I love the music. And I mean, I, I could go on and on for everything that I love about them. But it is part, partially a nostalgia factor that the, these are the, the first films that got me into them. But nobody has ever quite done them like these. Nobody's ever done movies like these beforehand. And nobody's ever done two movies like this after afterwards. You know, not Argento, not Bava, not none of these guys. These are two very unique films in their. I guess you could say cinematic qualities, you know, so it, they do have a longevity to them. It's not just a, you know, straight up nostalgia factor, but there's just something about, you know, the, the culmination of the soundtrack. And I mean, I think the closest thing would probably be like a, like Return of the Living Dead or Night of the Demons. Even, Night of the I was Demons. Gonna, I yeah. was literally just going to say that or not, Night of the Demons has the same kind of quality. Right. So those films all together are some of my favorite films. Mm hmm. Yeah, you no. know, I just I, sometimes you don't need, need a whole lot of plot, you know. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you just need the meat and potatoes of a story, you know. And people are more accepting of it, you know, than I think they are of someone being turned into, say, a werewolf or a zombie or, or a vampire. There's something that goes back to biblical times. So whether or not you believe 
and that sort of thing. There is sort of a genuine fear of like, hmm, this is just this shit could maybe maybe happen, and right. there's no rules. Right. I think with vampires and and the werewolves and things like of that nature, there's certain rules like, oh, you have to be bitten, you have to have this happen to you, you, you know, you, then you're allergic to sunlight and blah blah blah. With demons, you can kind of create your own mythology, you know, so to speak. And that's what this, these movies do, too. And that throwing up in the arms with the rules and stuff allows for the writers and the filmmakers and the effects guys to have a field day with this stuff, which they do. And what what a perfect time in film history to have a field day with these practical effects. And they were doing a really hell of a good job, especially you know with the teeth coming down, you know. And it looks stiff. A lot of stuff looks stiff, but uh, you know, you can go back and, I mean a lot of stuff looked a little more stiff back then. It was more about the artistry of it and they would have a you know, a close up of a piece of the face and show it changing and stuff and I'm, that was some cool stuff back then, man. I mean, that was some really I mean, cool. Stivaletti's yeah. work is, is some of the best best gore work, you know, that that the 80s ever put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and down some of the best work and yeah it might be a little stiff but i think that's something that comes from practical effects i think cgi is good to enhance certain things but when you're creating a creature like a demon or or whatnot you need to create it from the ground up it needs to be practical and to know that he was he was learning during demons and demons too you know he was just finding his footing he wasn't really perfect he just kind of said i can probably do that and did all of that I mean, if you would have asked me to do that, it would have looked like, you know, a cardboard box robot or something. <laughs> it, yeah, it looked like a lot of cardboard duct tape and bubble gum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and to think, yeah, that this is where Stivaletti had got his, you know, start on this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You never know it. You never know it by looking at it. Right. So you you picked up, you actually had it before I did. You picked up the new release. You did not have the steel books that were put out previously, am I correct? No, I did not have those. Or I was made aware that they were even available. They had sold out. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So what was the previous release you had had before the current release? For that, I had the, the Dario Argento collection, the, the Anchor Bay versions that were on DVD, and you know, uh, which were still you know pretty good versions. But yeah, n- n- not nearly as comprehensive as this, this new uh, double feature disc go. So you picked these up at Cinema Wasteland. I remember telling you, giving you a little heads up, hey, go check out the tape, because I knew you love these movies. And, and I thank pro- you for that. Yeah, and they had just, I believe they just they were just delivered to the office the morning that Jerry and Don were leaving <laughs> to go. So they just got there in the nick of time, but they ended up uh, at Cinema Wasteland. So you actually got your grubby hands on them before even I got my hands on a couple copies. What do you think about this this new release uh, that we put out here? Well, first of all, I got to say that was my main goal at that show was to get that because <laughs> gotcha. my wonderful wife, Patty, had asked me, just like, what do you want to do when we get there? I'm like, first thing I'm doing is making a beeline to the synapse table and grabbing this. Right. After that, everything else is downhill. <laughs> uh, but I, I love them. Uh, I love the, the release. It has never looked better. It has never sounded better. I haven't watched all the special features. I've watched about 90% of them. The commentary tracks, the, the, the interviews with Dario and Lamberto Bava are just so comprehensive. There's stuff that I've never seen. I thought I had seen, you know, just about every little nook and cranny of, you know, the, of the behind the scenes material that had been made for these. 
and to hear how these films came to be and to hear like you know at least some more recent you know most of the stuff i had had read about in articles or had seen you know in behind the scenes stuff was made in the 80s or at least pre-2000s and to hear a lot of these interviews uh were just were phenomenal uh, the most comprehensive version of the movies that i think we we could possibly ever get uh just getting the talks with uh, claudio simonetti and Simon Boswell on the musical aspects of the film were probably my favorite mm, two, mm-hmm. you know, um, behind the scenes featurettes. Mm-hmm. But you, the work that must, I, don't, I don't even understand the work that goes into restoring a film, right? You know, and and doing what Synapse does. But I got to commend them because this it, every painstaking little detail has been paid to these films. I had the Steelbooks. I liked the Steelbooks. I thought they were really, really good. Uh, they didn't blow me away like this release did. I'm being very honest. Like this release, I was like, oh yeah, this is, it may be. This is what we've been waiting yeah, for. Yeah, it may be subtle in the picture and the transfer and stuff, but the, there's right. limitations to the source. But I think what Don has gotten out of this, not unlike Suspiria and stuff, that's what you're going to get out of it. I mean, that's it. And that's what makes me feel so comfortable and satisfied uh, with this release as well, is that I feel confident that this is the best it can be. Well, and I also know when I buy something by Synapse, I don't have to worry about quality. I've never once ever bought anything from Synapse and just said like, well, I hope this is all right. Mm-hmm. I hate using the term for fans, by fans, because it just it seems so generic, but it's the best thing I can think of on the spot. It just, you know, you can tell they're fans of the work. For anybody out there that is even second guessing about double dipping or triple dipping whether you have the vhs you got a dvd you have the the past blu-ray releases i say throw your caution to the wind and scoop up a copy of it it's worth it i think i picked mine up for 50 60 dollars i can't remember exactly what i paid at cinema wasteland but it was somewhere in around there but it was worth every penny worth every penny i'd do it again well, I've been excited because this release, um, the Massacre at Central High, the Suspiria, they've really all been top-notch. And I mean that as a collector, not as someone who's you know working for the guys. I'm looking at stuff going, wow. And it's making me excited for the upcoming releases. I still think my, fav- my favorite acquisition I have from Synapse is not even these because I've never seen, a, you know what I mean, a, a better version of this movie I'm about to mention. Mm-hmm. Before, because I never thought we'd get the boutique Blu-ray version, was Popcorn. Yeah, yeah. That movie has never looked better. Right. Never. And I think that's such an underappreciated film, even more underappreciated than either of the Demons films. But I don't want to go off on a tangent about Popcorn here, because we're here to talk about Demons. But that is like one of my prized possessions. I hold that up like a little holy grail. If I, if, if I had the means, I would put it in a glass case so dust couldn't get anywhere near it. <laughs> right. Well, and that that plays into your little subgenre of movies taking place in a theater. Yes, yes, it, it does. Any final thoughts, Cameron? Um, uh, yeah, I can't stress enough uh, how great these movies are and how great the release is. Top notch. Mm, very good. Well, as someone who has the, the Steelbooks as well, I find this to be a very worthwhile upgrade myself. I personally think it, it's it's it, they went up a notch. I mean, I really do. I think this release looks better. It sounds better. I think everything is better. And I, I'm not yes. trying to 
I'm not saying anything bad about the the other releases, but they were done a little while ago, and technology, uh, as it as it pertains to these transfers and stuff, has advanced. And you can see that here. Yeah, I think this is a definitive release. And on a side note, next time you talk to to Don and Jerry, personally thank them for me for put, putting this out. I know I'll probably be able to do it at the next Cinema Wasteland or the next show I see them at. But personally thank them for me. Because as from one fan to another, that it's just great to see somebody you know, uh, as a company put together a release with love and care. Right. Well, thank yeah. you, Cameron, for taking time. Everybody, make sure and check out Cameron's podcast, Cinema Degeneration. You can find that on all the socials and go and look for it where you find and listen to your podcast. And every now and then you might find yours truly taking a deep plunge with Cameron and really getting into some nitty gritty conversation, hours long conversations about some of the <laughs> silliest movies we all love. All right, Cameron. Well, thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Good luck with your podcast and we will talk to you soon. Again, thank you, Cameron Scott, for taking time out of your day to be a guest on our show. And make sure and look out for the Cinema Degeneration podcast, which, as Cameron said, you can find pretty much anywhere podcasts are located. Real quick, wanted to remind everyone, again, The Kindred is out. Order those quick, as you heard from Jerry. If you want a steelbook, get those orders in. March 8th, big day for Synapse. Two movies have a street date on March 8th, 2022. Thriller, A Cruel Picture, and the 4K release of Phenomena. Also remember, if you have questions or comments about the Synapse Films podcast, you can email me at tim at synapsefilms.com. And on behalf of everyone here at Synapse Films, we hope you all had a wonderful holiday season and we wish the best of luck to everyone in the new year of 2022 here's to you it was an honor and a pleasure to be your tour guide on this journey into all things synapse films until we meet again be safe be good to each other and be right back here next time for the next episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We couldn't be here without you, the fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for your continuing support of Synapse Films. I'm tired of being sick, always